Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, podcast starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Earnestness Bonanza. First, before we get into it, I have, you guessed it, an announcement. (laughs) Our live show is coming up on July 8th. Um, This is the end of our second season. The show is going to um, mark the end, and it's just going to be so fun. I simply cannot wait to uh, gab, 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 gab. It's at the Bell House in Brooklyn, July 8th, 7.30. Tickets, I believe, are still available. And no, we haven't checked in on how many are left. So I'm not going to lie and say... Oh, it's almost sold out, but I'm also not going to lie and say, we're not selling any tickets. We truly have no idea. We just, it could we just don't be know. almost sold out. So I'm just not going to say that. <laughs> That's the thing with how confident we are is like, we haven't even checked, to be honest. Like, we trust that it will sell out. And honey, it has in the past. Okay. <laughs> so please get tickets. Um, we would love to see all our glamouristas in attendance. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and, and we're going to have some we... hats for sale though. Oh, yes. Too. I know some hat... people want some hats. Oh, yeah. We need to... This is a larger conversation, but let's just say we're trying to get rid of this round of merch so we can potentially have a new uh, era coming up <laughs> soon. Um, and I know we've said this, but just flagging that it is on a Friday. So it's going to be, I think it's maybe our first live show that's ever been on a Friday, the best day to have a live show. 
Thank you for flagging that. I will definitely put a star next to that because I think that is so important to yeah. to note. Because it's unfortunately true that a show on a Friday is infinitely better than a show on a Thursday. A hundred percent. Infinitely better than a show on a Saturday. And you know what else? A show on a Friday at 7.30 specifically is the best possible time. Because when you get to late show territory, honey, people are tired. They've oh. had a work week. And count me as one of them. I mean, <laughs> see, I, I might not, not have shown up to our own show if it was at 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. I don't know. When the Bell House said we can do 7.30 on a Friday, I said... I thought I felt like I was being, um, you know, picked up in a limousine and dropped off on a red carpet. I said, "What did I ever do to deserve such a slot?" All right. It's I, am, I, am I Anne Hathaway? <laughs> am I Sharon Stone? I think that it all just kind of worked out in our favor. And to be honest, at first we were like, "We should do a Pride show." No, 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 no! You stupid whores. <laughs> In fact, doing it in the beginning of July. In fact, a week after Pride, when people have done Pride, have uh, you know made the difficult decisions of which events to go to, the deeply personal, in fact, decisions mm-hmm. that decisions. everyone has to make for themselves yeah. of which events to go to. You know, July 8th, you're thinking, okay, great, I'm ready for a comedy show. <laughs> I can go to a show and not have someone's balls literally in my mouth. Yeah, sure. why not? Who cares? So I'd say this is our longest promo yet, and I stand by it. I actually think it's our best promo yet. Me too. I could, I could go for hours. <laughs> But I do, um, now that we've done the promo, I want to say that I want to just introduce what we're doing in this episode because, you know, we may have some new listeners. Uh, oh, and we wait, may... one more. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, yeah. um, I also forgot to say that we're going to have special guests and we haven't announced them yet Ooh. because we um, want them to be a surprise, but we may announce them depending on when we check in on ticket sales. Yeah, we literally <laughs> don't know how many tickets we have sold. Um, but we guarantee they're big stars and truly... If you are a fan of our podcast, you will um, stand them. You, yeah. you know them and you love them and you will freak out. One of them, and this is so many people that have been on the podcast are identified as critically acclaimed that what I'm about to say is not even a spoiler. One of them was recently called by the New York Times as giving one of the best performances of the year. I'm not going to say whether it's in film or TV. I'm not going to say whether it's in fiction or nonfiction. Could be JVN for all we know. <laughs> Could be I'll JVN. Just, for I'll just all say we know. that. And now we said that. And so sorry. And now we and said now that. And get... there's no taking it back. <laughs> and now you can get back into what you were about to say. Yes. So this episode is an earnestness bonanza. This is the episode where we drop the act and earnestly answer questions from you, our beloved listeners. So we've done this a few times, probably like three or four times. And just a little plug. If you enjoy hearing us speak without desperately attempting to be funny, you can also subscribe to the Patreon where we do this essentially once a month, in addition to another extra episode a month where we uh, watch a straight movie that we discuss and also discuss it earnestly. (laughs) The one (laughs) promise is you'll hear no jokes on the Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, um, if only that were true, if only we could help ourselves. If only that were true, but they, they ooze out of us like lava. Like lava, and we are the volcanoes. That's right. Uh, so let's get those volcano holes ready for another <laughs> earnestness bonanza. Okay. So yeah, we we uh, we solicited questions, and we're literally just gonna go through them on our email and answer as best we can, as earnestly as humanly possible. And to kick it off, mm. we um like to yeah spout a bit of earnestness ourselves. And we actually have some news. Should we get 
into that? I think so. You know what? How about you kick it off? Well, so we're taking a break for the summer, and when we are coming back late summer, early fall, Mm -hmm. we will be part of the Big Money Players Network, which is extremely exciting for us. We're very excited. It's the, not to brag, (laughs) but it is the network that such luminary podcasts as Las Culturistas and Poog are on. It is, in fact, run by a one of our comedy idols, Will Ferrell, and one of our, frankly, straight culture idols, Will Ferrell, <laughs> Say um, that. who will now be our boss and daddy. Yeah. And um, it's very exciting. It's, it's very been exciting. A, a long road of yeah. making this podcast in the pandemic and sort of being like, let's see where this goes. And even we we did a round of pitches one time and everybody was it's like, true. eh. <laughs> And wow. then it was like, talk that, about earnestness. Is that too earnest? <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's absolutely correct. No, I mean, we and have. And then when uh, we kind of stopped, we just focused on ourselves. Yes. And then, like, they reached out and the, we were so thrilled. It was, it feels right, dare I say. Mm-hmm. I, we've been, you know, we're very aware of the advantages of being an independently produced podcast. I think we didn't want to just sell it to the highest bidder. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes Will Ferrell comes a knocking and you say, <laughs> we're home. <laughs> yeah, I actually am available. I am uh, available. Let me check my calendar. Yes, yeah, I uh-huh. can meet. And so um, we're very excited. And just to dispel any rumors out there on the Reddit threads, it's not going to change anything creatively. You know, it's yeah. going to behind the scenes. It'll just make it easier, even easier for us to get the best guests possible and to have production help and to get a little bit of money for the first time in our friggin lives <laughs> and so you know we're, we're gonna take it one week at a time but we're i i'm genuinely very excited and i think of all the different options we had considered in terms of like long-term plans for the podcast this is by far the one i'm most excited about and i i, I really could not be happier with how things turned out yeah i fully agree i'm i'm thrilled and it's cool. It's cool that uh, <laughs> it's cool that they get us. I know. It's kind of crazy cool to be like in community with uh, all these people we really like and respect. And yes, you know, not to get too earnest, but Matt and Bowen really—they they started this game. <laughs> talk about did. talk about trailblazer vibes. Talk about trailblazers and and the fact that uh, you know we get to be on the same network as them, and in fact, be coworkers. We'll see them at the Christmas party. <laughs> I will say, if there's not a Christmas party, I will be ending the contract. I want <laughs> merch. I want gifts. I want at least one package a month that's like some little treat from Will and from my heart media. Maybe a hat, maybe a, a little pride tank, potentially, for next year's pride. I know we're technically year. not on the payroll yet, so I'm okay not receiving a pride package this year. But yeah. I do think starting next year, I will need at least three pieces of Pride merchandise of some sort. Of some sort. I think that's really, really smart. Thank you. Maybe it's like Will Ferrell's face and it's like, I bought a gay podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea for Will. Did you ever think two little girls from Brooklyn <laughs> deciding to do a podcast together and saying this podcast is going to be about straight culture, but also not at all. It's going to be about putting on a podcast and it's going to mm. be about... Um, sort of um, riffing endlessly as we spiral. Yeah, and and nevertheless, she persisted. And nevertheless, and you know what? I'll say this: 
it really is proof positive. Not to say that our podcast is the best in the world, because, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not going to restart my beef with Michael Barbaro. No, but that what was I will say toxic. Is, <laughs> what I will say is, from the beginning, we were almost violently against trying to be palatable trying trying to like make it sellable and it just goes to show you that if you just do that for long enough eventually someone will catch up i am and and you know what we may have not made any money for two and a half years but i would rather do it the way we did it than start from the beginning and be like this is a podcast where we recap stranger things on netflix yep yep which we were um soft pitched by the that's way that's true yeah yeah we did we were kind of oh you guys that's a patreon app right there is our meetings <laughs> oh, with these other companies that's gonna need a paywall queen <laughs> <laughs> there was one i'll say this since we're being honest there was one <laughs> meeting we took where it just became very clear in the middle of it that they were not interested in us at all do you remember this i remember this so vividly and i was honestly very proud of myself because i said just to clarify, you guys are not interested. And they truly like started malfunctioning and they, and basically were like, yes. And I was like, OK, well, it's been nice to talk to you. You're wasting our time <laughs> to be in a meeting with George as he does. This was one of the most powerful things I've ever witnessed. It was very like, damn, I when you are around someone with confidence <laughs> who who knows like what to say and how to say it and in those like professional settings i was like damn i am so happy to be in this room with you oh, it was it. really like because i'm i because we were also too in the spirit of earnestness for this one meeting we were excited and we were like this yeah. could be cool it was like a company we were excited about and we were like wow they want to meet with us and it was just so clear that they like did not like our deal, like our podcast. And they also would, you know, they would, we're talking about like potentially wanting hosts for other things, which of course, like, listen, I'll, I'll host a, a you know, Yellowstone recap podcast. I, I'm not above it. Of course. But then it became clear that they also didn't really want that. <laughs> like, because everything they mentioned, they'd be like, well, that wouldn't be right for you. <laughs> It was like, okay, insane. so this is just kind of like you guys are just running through things you have and negging us. <laughs> it was, I mean, yeah, Daddy George. It was really like you, you came know, and talked to the principal and I, I was I just truly, like, wow, look at this. It really comes out only a couple, maybe once a month, my confident side. <laughs> but when it does, you better watch the fuck out. <laughs> I could not believe that. Because it's not a constant thing. Like, I'm very shy, you know. And I'll say this, speaking of me being shy, <laughs> who said two gay cancers can't run a small business? <laughs> and who now, said two gay cancers can't run a small business? Growing up as a podcast, so many haters said, oh, are you two gay cancers? Oh, good luck, sweetie. And, and we proved you all wrong. Two gay cancers literally signing deals. <laughs> Can you... Only in Biden's America. Only well, this couldn't happen under Trump. 
<laughs> oh, brother. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, ay, ay. And, and I'll say one more thing about our live show. Also, I'm now realizing July is huge for us because it's both our birthday months. So it makes sense that our big finale live show would be in July. Well, technically, I'm the last. Oh, my God, you're June. <laughs> but I, but I, you know what I mean. Cancer season. Yeah, no. Cancer, I, cancer I'm not season is the official season of Straight <laughs> There's one thing I'm not going to be offended about is when people don't know my birthday. It's right, like, right. I don't know anyone's birthday. But I do. Now I will never forget your birthday because the other day I thought I had forgotten it and then went <laughs> back into my phone. And in fact, looked up your email from like when you had a birthday party two years ago <laughs> and was like, OK, remember this. Wow. Wait, because what's yours is Ju- July, July 21st. 21st. Okay. I was going to guess 16th, but that's Would have been it. a very respectable guess. Yeah. I'm kind of cuspy. I could, if I was born a little later, I would be a Leo, and that would not make sense. I mean, maybe that's where your business savvy comes from. You know what? I bet you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I I just, yeah, it's so funny. I, we've all been in meetings that are kind of feel that way, where they're just like, literally wasting your time but rarely is it like when you have something like a product like our yeah. podcast and so it was like oh this is different well so also was, to be clear both cool. of us like have both of us have a pretty high capacity for bullshit entertainment industry stuff it's not like neither of us is like you know waltzing in and being like one billion or i walk <laughs> you know <laughs> but sometimes yeah. you have to draw the line because guess what we're people. <laughs> We're people. And so are they even. And so it's sort of like, well, you guys probably don't want to be on this call too. Like, what? Who's who planned this? Yeah. Sometimes I do think what life would be like from the other side where like they are just used to the fact that like 95% of their life is talking to people just to kind of build relationships basically. Yeah. That's and you're true. Like, well, at least you get a monthly friggin' paycheck. <laughs> Honey, don't even get me started. Should should we? we? Yeah. I love that. Okay, so now we're going to start answering Ernest's questions. That's right. You know, before we start, I want to give one quick shout out to... Well, you know what? Let's... I feel like this is an obvious thing, and so maybe we don't say it enough, but I just want to say thank you to everyone who listens. Like, this, uh, this very exciting news would not be possible without you, and also, I promise, I know that... You know, the podcast is going to now have ads and, and, and all this stuff. But every decision we make is like with the listenership in mind and being like, what would people like the most? And I do think as much as we also are not opposed to getting, you know, a, a little bit of money every now and then, I do think overall this is like going to be a this is going to only make the podcast better because we'll get like really weird fun guests that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise we will be able to do more like themed you know kind of weird uh episodes we'll be able to like maybe tour and do more live shows in a way that we couldn't do when we were like doing everything ourselves we'll be able to do comedy or um yeah like podcast festivals and comedy festivals and travel more and and so i make better like be more organized about our merch for example because it'll like all go through people whose job it is to do things like that so it like I think this is only going to make it better and this could only happen because of a people listening and people telling their friends to listen because it all grew completely organically yeah somehow shockingly <laughs> we in fact uh, at every turn did everything in our power to not be successful and nevertheless you all persisted <laughs> yeah I would argue we're actually horrible at promoting and even describing what this podcast is 
and it's yet um, yeah. y- you all have been so supportive and it's been incredible to to be a part of yeah and it's such every time uh you know people who listen come to one of our shows whether we're together or not or like or we run into them at let's say some kind of gay establishment it always it, it genuinely makes us both so happy and we can't we can't believe it oh yeah it's shocking to me so shout out to you and i do want to say not to be in plug mode uh oh but as of right now, we haven't made any final decisions. As of right now, we are keeping complete control of the Patreon. So, uh, yeah, just 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 an FYI that if you want to support, you know, if if if, if you uh, want, and the, and the Patreon, I will say, will never have ads. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you want more stuff and to hear us uh, talking about. You know, sometimes honestly more juicy and personal stuff and talking about movies and having extra special guests. We just had Chris File from This Had Oscar Buzz on. Um, you can always subscribe to that even after we're uh, after we relaunch. Yeah. Well, with that being said, that being I think said, you, let's do it. I think you ate um, no crumbs. <laughs> <She> ate. <laughs> no crumbs. <laughs> I'm so I'm addicted to saying no crumbs. It is so funny to me. No crumbs. And also she ate. You'd think it would get old. It doesn't. It actually, <laughs> I wish it got old. And I actually, <laughs> I'm now even supportive of the more simple eight. Oh, just commenting on someone's commenting on someone's post eight. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, okay. Let's start the Wait, first. I have one more. I'm so oh, sorry. Wow. No, it's okay. no. It's literally just that. Um. This is not technically a question, but the people behind Craighead Nation, the famous Stan account for Olivia Craighead, two times Strader Lab guest. <laughs> sent us a they finally did an identity reveal and sent us a photo of themselves and i'm not going to dox them live on air but i'll say it's two people and it really brought me so much joy to look at their beautiful faces in in our inbox and i showed it to olivia and um and she was truly just incredibly happy so shout out to craighead nation very wholesome and and we love you forever okay okay first question Okay, and we're just going to start. From Ted. Yeah. This is from Ted. Sam, what were you like in college, a.k.a. how gay were you? I graduated UVA in 2010 and was a very closeted frat boy. Whoa, mm-hmm. hot. <laughs> Which obviously means I slept with six or eight of my fraternity brothers while I was there. <gasps> I'm an openly happy gay now, but really am wondering if we kissed some of the same people. Ooh. Wow. Because we were there at the same time. I graduated in 2011. Um... Ted also says, also sometimes I read Gawker because it's funny and sometimes I read Gawker as a fuck you to Peter Thiel. Um, respect. Um, okay, Listen, so... I, you can read it for whatever reason you want as long as we get those clicks, baby. Honey, clicky, clicky, click. Um, I was... I think, from what it sounds like, I was a little gayer than you. <laughs> I wasn't... I wouldn't um, say I was completely out. For example, in maybe a Spanish class, I would uh, say Novia instead of Novio. Um but I I was out to my friends and like, uh, yeah, I'd say one foot in, one foot out was sort of my approach, um, which is very radical. I did not sleep with any closeted, well, mm-hmm. I slept with one closeted frat bro, uh, but he had already graduated and now he's out and like married. And that was actually quite hot. Um, and then there was like one grad student who was closeted who I slept with, but that was it i was like yeah 
it was not a healthy out. First hookup, I think I've talked about on an Ernest Bonanza, was like closeted with an RA in the chemistry building bathroom from like literally out.com or something. Like, what was oh it? Oh my God. Outpersonals.com. I am rock hard. <laughs> and it was just like, what is wrong with me? Um, but then, it, you know, I made out with some guys, some some out and proud guys. I wasn't trying to hide it for a little bit, but was never... Didn't really find myself, I would say, until I was in a city. Um, and that's my answer to that. Damn. Great. Um, next. Next. I'll go to Lucas. Okay. Oh, in fact, they signed it Luke. So apologies for using your biblical name. <laughs> okay. As a member of... Oh, this is a really good one, actually. As a member of Craighead Nation and the Adebri Empire, I must ask... Okay, first of all, love the Adebri Empire. <laughs> would that's you guys genius. do the iconography segment Vroom Vroom to each other. So basically, it means pitch some kind of star making and or award winning vehicle for your podcasting coworker. What kind of character would they play? What genre, plot synopsis, etc. This is such a perfect question. This is like I love this question. This is an ideal I would say the two ideal earnestness bonanza questions are like super personal and then also like really productive theoretical exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, I, I'm going to just kind of talk it out. I don't have an answer. Yeah, I don't yet, have a solid I, answer yet. So here's what I'll say for you. I think you would do really well in some kind of fish out of water story and specifically maybe even a um, like a body switch Freaky Friday type story. Mm. Like, I imagine you suddenly, I don't know why, what brought the plot here, but it's like suddenly you playing, you know, a gay guy living in a city, suddenly you're the president. Suddenly you're <laughs> like, the like suddenly you're literally like Dr. Anthony Fauci or something. And then it's like, the joke is that you don't have some sort of expertise that you need in and order to- And I'm like to winging like, it. And, and you're winging it. Yeah. And that's where the comedy comes from. And you can do physical comedy. You can do a lot of like, it's a lot of you being like flustered. Yeah. That sounds really fun. I love that premise. For you, I think, I'm trying to think, like, I actually feel like if there is maybe something kind of grounded, like, mm. not to say like an HBO's Girls, but like an HBO's Girls, but with... <laughs> internal monologue because I feel like we would need to hear your sort of long descriptions of things. Interesting. And I think also like something grounded where you could be like, <laughs> like dealing with people who are all crazy and you are sort of like stone faced and Ooh, like annoyed. Deadpan. Deadpan, yeah. I think would be really a sleigh. Love it. <laughs> you know, I kind of think uh, both of these things could be the same project where like, you do up some kind of there's some kind of thing that happens and you're suddenly the president and then I'm your chief of staff and I'm like <laughs> why is he being insane? Yeah, a hundred percent. Wow. Okay. Well, Damn. Judd Apatow, you have our email. <laughs> All right, next question. Let's do okay from George. Okay, I'll read this. From George, I like the subversive strategy of the show. It asks whether members of the gay community need to continue to reclaim elements of culture or assert ourselves in different existing fields. Maybe for our own sanity and self-preservation, we need to be ceding territory to the straights. 
The humorless might see each week's episode as more ground lost, but perhaps the obsession with visibility betrays a deep insecurity. The show embraces what is foreign in origin, but painfully familiar to us with humor. But wait, am I doing this wrong? No, you're doing great. I actually love the format of this email because this, because our dear friend George clearly is emailing in order to, to, to make an argument. And then at the end is like, anyway, here's a question so that this gets read on air. <laughs> <laughs> um, we keep going. Okay, the show embraces what is foreign in origin, but painfully familiar to us with humor, bewilderment, and occasional appreciation. Only when we both acknowledge and even increase the chasm between us uh, and them can we tackle the anxious assimilation machine. I just want to say, uh, George, congratulations on your literal Nobel Prize that we are <laughs> sending you in the mail. I, I, I love when people... Um, I love when people intellectualize the podcast because it makes me feel smarter because I can pretend that it was intentional. Yeah. I'm always like, that's what you get out of it. Um, but <laughs> no, but, but, but I, I'm but thrilled. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes I'll listen back and I'm like, oh yeah, this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, time to create a deranged question. So this email might be read right on air. Imagine you're producing Gadio Lab. <laughs> Who Gadio are the Lab. straight hosts you would choose to explore a queer culture? I mean, again, another genius question. You go first. Okay, I'm trying to think if we're thinking like people basically, I mean, this is like a, almost a cop out, but I'm like, I want it to be Jeremy and Rajat. Oh my God, I want it to be Jeremy and Rajat. That's a genius answer. Yeah, I think Jeremy and Rajat hosting Gaydio Lab where they explore gay culture would be <laughs> literally the best possible podcast I can think of. Honestly, they should, we should do a special episode where they are the hosts. Okay. And we are the guests. <laughs> I completely agree. And I cannot wait for that. That is such a great answer. Wow. I think we should just move on then. All right. Okay. This is from this is from Angelina. Hootie who, as a fellow girl boss CEO, okay, Slay, I struggle with my job being a thing I actually enjoy doing. How do you find the best work-life balance and set boundaries? Are you ever truly off the comedy clock? Well, what a classic question. Let's classic. I mean, the eternal struggle. Oh, and actually, Angelina recommends future guests Brendan Scannell and Alyssa Stonehow, who I would both of them I would love to have. Oh, we have to have Alyssa's. Both, I mean, so funny. I love I love Brendan. Alyssa is so kooky and funny. Yeah, I used to have a joke with Alyssa that I would start a podcast where you would honestly shit talk people and uh, like using first and last names yeah, yeah, yeah. but it would go away like it would only be available for like 20 minutes at a time <laughs> be like a snapchat show and then i was like why am i so bitter let's move on no but that's cla Alyssa is someone you can talk shit with which is yeah. great yeah. and brendan is also so funny and quite frankly so hot <laughs> and i kind of thought because I thought that he would, for some reason, not be a nice person. And then I met him in L.A. and I was like, you are the sweetest guy I've ever met in my life. He's insanely nice. I actually, sorry, Brendan. I thought the same thing. I was like, he's going to be mean. And when I met him, he was like, so nice. Yeah. I met him once and then I met him like a year later and he was like, how's Misha? And I was like, oh, you are so, so nice. Sweet. It's insane. Shout out. Okay. All right. Work-life balance. Okay. Um, I am bad at this. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel in comedy, at least for me, I was so concerned with making it 
and sort of being like, well, it's not work. This is because in comedy, you have to work outside of work because you have to have a job to make money and then you have to go do comedy. And so I was like, well, it's it's you're just always going to be going, going, going. And then now I'm sort of like, oh, wait, this is kind of unsustainable. And so it's a question I'm trying to figure out, I would argue. And also our social life is part of it. It's it's all intertwined. Well, it's also I'm you know, I let's I'm thinking of someone like you. It's like, well, you got a writing job that is very much like the fruit of your labors from all these years. But you still have to do stand up at night. It's not like, well, now you finally got this job. So you no longer have to work outside of those hours. Like, if anything, the goal is basically to fill every second of your day (laughs) with some form of comedy writing. Yeah. Otherwise, and if you don't, you will literally miss out on opportunities. You will literally miss out on opportunities. You will fall back. And it's just like, it's 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 crazy. Very difficult. And I look at even like friends because I... I love to look at others and see who's doing it well and see who manages it well. And I actually am kind of at a loss for that. Like, I'm like... Oh, in terms of work-life balance? Yeah. Cannot think of a single person... I can think of one who I think manages it well. I don't know if it's doxing to say. No, I feel like Julio is actually really, really good at work-life balance. Yeah. But Um, also is so productive. So productive. Here's the the secret to work-life balance. And listen, this is just if you are, like, attempting something that is near impossible and so you have to work very hard which i wish i didn't want i wish i had much simpler goals and then i would be very good at work-life balance in fact but um i think like the only way to have good work-life balance if you are someone like julio is to when it is time for work be insanely productive yeah and i i am consciously trying to work on that but i'm bad at it i'm I'm so so bad bad at it it. (laughs) i'm really bad at it i also i i've talked about this before but like the my my job at gawker which i love is very like all consuming during the day like i can't you know when you think of something as simple as like oh i have to do this simple you know i have to buy plane tickets or i have to um do some other emails during work hours i kind of don't feel like i have time to do that often because there's it's just basically like a constant stream of finding things, assigning them, editing them, and whatever. So in some ways, I do feel like I have good work-life balance in terms of Gawker and not Gawker, because after I'm done for the day, I, I'm i pretty good at not thinking about the website, but then that's when I theoretically need to be doing comedy stuff. So I don't know where the life part comes in. Really. <laughs> it's kind of work and, and then a different kind of work. Yeah. And yet I feel like I never accomplish anything. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> It is funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's really funny. <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> I yesterday, like the airline tickets thing. Yesterday, I needed to call my insurance. Like I needed to pick up a prescription, and my insurance wasn't working because I switched insurances. And I was like, I do not have this. Like I was like, I'm gonna have a meltdown. Like I was yeah. like, <laughs> to take like an hour to do something like that. I was like, I just feel I'm bad at. I'm so basically, I'm saying I'm bad at this. Yeah. I also, I mean, talk about. This is humiliating what I'm about to say. I have not filed therapy claims for which I would make maybe over a thousand dollars. Like I would win back over a thousand dollars. I mean, I still have time, so (laughs) I am going to do it before the deadline. But it has been many, many months of me just like putting it on my to do list and putting it again. And I and it's like money I need and I could very much benefit from. If there's one thing that always falls through the cracks, it is basically like errands. Mm hmm. Because I'll convince myself that when I do have a night free, I deserve to like watch a movie or cook dinner or see friends because that's like I have to like seize the day. 
And then totally. I literally never do the things I need to do that are not work related. Yeah. yeah. So Angelina, our advice is um, good luck. <laughs> Let's do Angelina straight shooters. And then there's actually another straight shooter right after this. Doxin, Doxing, or Doc Martens. And the next one is Haley Williams, Haley Steinfeld, Haley's Comet, or Halle Berry's Catwoman. Well, wait, you should answer mine. Uh, I'm going to go Doxing. And I'm going to go Halle Berry's Catwoman. <laughs> Okay, let's And let's on. do the the next one too. Do you want to a- ask me? This is from Aviva. Bratz dolls or Bratwurst sausage? Bratwurst sausage. <laughs> All right. This is from Cassidy. I am both a Georgina and a Samista. Love you both. Thank you, Chica. I um, tried to turn the tables and ask George a horny question and Sam a brainy question, but it turns out I want to ask you both horny questions. Hope that's okay. Always welcome. George, have you ever had a moment in your life that was a sexual awakening? Any moments you have surprised yourself learning something new about your sexuality? Hmm. Wow. Um. Hmm. To be honest, I feel like the sexual awakenings have, <laughs> it's like very uh, simple, which is just like locker room contexts, both in even like earlier in middle school. I think I've potentially talked about this, but my swim coach in middle school was this like six foot five Australian guy named Tristan with like a truly four foot penis <laughs> that would just like change in front of everyone in the locker room. And I'd be like, oh, I, <laughs> I must have a photo of that framed in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I love that as a child, you were dreaming of your apartment decor. I mean, well, it's just like, he was like literally a character out of like a, uh, you know. Like Tom of Finland? A, a Tom of Finland type print. And then I've also, I think I've also talked about this in a previous Ernest's Bonanza, but I was randomly really turned on by Greg Kinnear in... Um, as good as it gets, who played a gay character. And I think there was one point where like, you could see his butt. <laughs> um, wow. And I'll say this. My sexual awakening has come from slowly just having better sex in my mid to late 20s. And then like actually discovering what I like and being like, wow, sex. Like I've always known sex was fun, but I didn't know it could be this fun. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. Every it's every day oh. you learn something new. Oh, honey, we're always growing and even changing. Sam, can you talk more about your roots of your dad fetish? I am a lesbian and kind of have the same thing with mommies. It provides me endless fun to explore the cultural roots of that, and I'd love to hear some of your roots. Hmm. Um. I don't know where that comes from. I think from maybe it's like the I've tried to analyze myself a little bit and. Two theories. One was that, like, because of homophobia, I was scared of, like, sexualizing my friends because I was like, what if they find out? And so it was like, it was easier and cleaner to, like, sexualize, (laughs) like, older people because they weren't in my community of my age group. Mm -hmm. Then the other theory, which is maybe more accurate, is, like, being on, like, community swim team and being in the Y when you're, like, 12 and seeing full grown men's dicks and sort of having that be like a (laughs) sexual um awakening and being like oh that's the like that 40 year old man is doing something for me and then it was just like oh i guess that's what i'm into now and i don't know if that's it but hey who knows let's move on okay 
So Brant asks, if you could do it all again, <laughs> what, if anything, would you do differently? This is a tough question. Damn. I'm really trying to run through everything. I actually feel I would not, when it comes to the podcast, I would not change a damn thing. Oh my God, are we talking about the podcast? Oh, is that not what we're talking about? I thought literally if you could do it all again. Oh, like our lives. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, no, yeah, otherwise I would not be so um, scared oh, of this question. Oh, sorry. No, assumed- in terms of the podcast, honestly, I would not do anything differently. I mean... <laughs> well, you know, you could argue like maybe we could have like been at at times more organized, more organized about like timing and booking guests or something. But like ultimately everything turned out fine. Wait, well, now I want the bigger question. Yeah. The life question. Yeah. I'm trying to think. This is b- basic. I think I would come out of the closet earlier. <laughs> that, no, 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 that's fair. That's fair. I, I wish I had done that. That's fair. I do think even though so many of my decisions led to me essentially I've had many almost false starts in my life. Like I was going to be in, you know, was going to be in tech. Then I quit. Then I was going to be in academia. Then I quit. Then I was going to, you know, like I, I, I've uh, said, I've tried something for anywhere between like six months to three years and then decided it's not for me. But I don't regret uh, any of that because I think or I hope at least that it has given me somewhat of a perspective that someone else doesn't have, that doesn't have those experiences. Honestly, the biggest regrets in my life, not regrets, but the things I would change are literally just like be more sexually confident and promiscuous in my 20s. So that's one. And then two, I think like maybe try do a better job of uh, both talking to family and maintaining friendships that mm. are not very easy to maintain. Sure. Like do a better job of like keeping up correspondences with people or being like, you know, I I am very close to my grandparents, but I it's very easy for me to like justify it in my head as like, oh God, because of the time difference, I forgot to call them. So guess it's going to have to be next weekend. And it's like, well, if I just was focused and organized about that, I could call them every Saturday morning and like, it would make them so happy and I it's very easy for me to do. So <laughs> I think those are the two things I would do differently. And I would sign up for a dance class at a young age. Damn. I actually Honestly, feel <laughs> I actually I've feel... always felt that I would <laughs> have we talked about this? I've always know. felt that with no evidence, except that I'm actually naturally incredibly flexible. <laughs> really? Which a lot of people don't know. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I think I might be double jointed. I, I don't really know, but I can do like some really disgusting things with my joints. Wow. Anyway, um, I think that if I had invested in my like fitness from a young age, I could actually really be a contender. <laughs> I I feel I have such natural rhythm and a, a joy of movement that I actually I remember almost wanting to sign up for dance classes as like a kid and being like, mm, mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to do that. And so that's where we are. But yeah. But honey, I'm self-taught and and here we are. Let's move on. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. This is from Gina. Longtime Glamour Girl here. Sam, can we get a detailed review of Chromatica and or Dawn of Chromatica now that Chromatica Ball is nearly upon us? Fave, least fave songs. What will especially go off live, etc.? George, I'd love to hear your thoughts too, though you're less of a little monster. No. Oof. Who is your Gaga? Damn. Um, I mean, I'm not going to do a detailed review because... <laughs> I I stand I stand harder than I've ever stand before. I the way 
the mental health crisis of the pandemic coincided with the release of Chromatica, I will never not stand. And I'm so excited for the concert. I genuinely think about the Chromatica one into Alice and her saying my name and me just starting to cry. I see it. <laughs> I feel it. It will happen. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, I'm just going to say, I hope she plays the entire album. If there are any skips, I will be upset. Yeah. And that's my review. George. And can I just say, um, I know that, you know, I am less of a little monster than Sam, but this idea that I am not a little monster is actually hurtful and homophobic. <laughs> and I know that it is my fault that that someone might think that because, you know, sometimes Sam and I have to, like, think of things to disagree on just for the sake of the podcast. It's an issue with both sides and media. Exactly. Exactly. It's very much like, well, there are enough pro-Biden voices on TV, so maybe I'll become pro-Trump. <laughs> But I, just for the record, I do love Lady Gaga and I am, but I'm, I think I'm less, I think Sam, you love, you just love the Stan mentality and it like, it it like is just like a thing that brings you joy. Yeah. Whereas I love kind of being a hater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll do that even to people that I respect. But I, what I, here's my official, first of all, I agree about Alice. But my official stance on Chromatica is justice for the 911 music video. And I've always said this. It's I've so said this good. from the first second. The 911 music video was what we were all waiting for in terms of like the in terms of literally like fame monster era psychotic music videos from Lady Gaga. I'm thinking Alejandro. I'm thinking like, you know, the paparazzi video, the telephone video. Like it was actually her being fully old time Gaga. Mm-hmm. And and not to be this person, but y'all let it flop. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so good. I was truly impressed. I was like, she's still got it. I'm like yeah. so excited for for her. And you know what? I can, uh, you know, we can judge her for hawking her terrible makeup line and <laughs> probably like taking some terrible movie role so she can win an Oscar. But the reason she's doing that is because no one cared about the 911 music video. Yeah, you all let her fail. And you know what? So I'm complicit too. Did I share it on social media to my community of followers? No. I mean, I have watched that video over one million times, so I actually don't feel like I'm complicit in it flopping. But that being said, I should have. We uh, should have shared. done more. We could have done more. Vote harder. Vote harder now more than ever. All right. Next question. This is from Emily, who says, Emily says that they are from shithole Utah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Which a slay. Yeah. Fellas, my friend Helen and I have an ongoing discussion about the rights and responsibilities of celebrities. Treat us in the works. And I'd love to know your thoughts. Do you think the rich and famous have obligations to the public? Should they be allowed to bitch about Dumois and the Paps? Should their children be allowed in show business? By letting Ben and Jen get married, are we encouraging wealth consolidation? <laughs> Can I force Bo Burnham to release his tax returns if he wants to keep singing about systems of oppression? Say that. Say that. And and then she's uh, turning it towards us. Do you already feel some level of fame obligation? What does that look like for you? Anyway, in a perfect world, we would all have our needs met through an anarcho-capitalist structure and wouldn't have a system where celebrity is what it is. But I'm trying to figure out what it would look like if we address celebrity through fascism instead. Okay. okay. You lost me there, but wow. respect. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm curious. I'm intellectually curious. 
Um, this is something that, as someone who spends a big chunk of their day editing celebrity blogs, I actually think about all the time. Mm. And to be honest, my I guess my view of it is changing some is is constantly in flux somewhat um yeah right now i am kind of in a place where i am so disgusted by people in actual power and think that their evil is so much more profound than anything celebrities do that i have less patience than i've had in the past for these micro disagreements about like responsibilities of celebrities to use their platform. I'm not saying that's my final answer. That's kind of where I am right now, where I kind of am like, uh, this is very simple-minded, but I'm kind of like, everything is a distraction. Everyone needs to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to, in some capacity, I don't know how, but like be aware of the fact that billionaires control everything and we need to uh, somehow find a way to, to, to bring about their downfall. I have no suggestions, but I truly like what I think about. I've been attempting to like read. I used to be much better about reading the news. And then I kind of started reading, uh, you know, just so much of my news diet has been like culture news. And I've been trying to go back to like reading the FT and reading the uh, like front page of the Times every day and like. It's just when you really look at what's out there, you stop caring about whether or not a reality star said something on Instagram. Not to be. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a very like almost like straight guy thing to say. And I don't want it to sound like dismissive, <laughs> but that's just where I am right now. I, I think that makes sense. I think that's well said. It is very complicated. I mean, like we do feel almost like we have more control over celebrities, like celebrities feel shame. Celebrities depend yeah. on us to like them, to have yeah, a true. career. And so it is like by shaming a celebrity for not talking about an issue or or having like a more centrist take on an issue, it's like we feel accomplished. But it's mm-hmm. like whereas the politicians actually don't feel any shame and will yeah. continue to. And so it, it does. I see what you mean. It's complicated because I also don't want to sound. I want every <laughs> actor on earth to have good politics. Um, I I mean I've also been thinking recently about I don't know like actors as a job like i'm Mm -hmm. like i understand that they are public figures but i'm also sort of being like why agreed and so it's confusing uh i i think like so in that regard i think they do have a a very real right to bitch about dumois and paparazzi because it's like this is just like a job they do like i bet like a lot of them want work-life balance totally and i also think like they have a right to bitch about those things and we have a right to roll our eyes at them bitching about them like i think i'm a little alienated by the weight that we put on the on what celebrities say we're like if someone is bitching about the paparazzi like let's say kim kardashian someone who has courted the press her entire life you could i'm not saying she's asking for her privacy to be violated but this is like what she has wanted her entire life if she's bitching about the paparazzi for instance I'm allowed to like roll my eyes and be like, shut up, Kim. But I also, but (laughs) yeah, to me, that's the correct reaction rather than like some huge, like kind of like systemic take about how she represents the ills of American culture. Like I'm kind of just like, she's annoying. Let's move on. Like I, I, I would love to get to a point where celebrities just like simply are not thought leaders at all like are just like these annoying people that we are not it's not even annoying but you know these 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 people that like you know we kind of gawk at when we 
want to read a tabloid and then we move on with our lives. And I don't, I should not care about if Harry Styles, like, you know, <laughs> said, Labels I don't, know, don't matter. fuck the police at his <laughs> uh, concert. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm torn on it. I, cause I used to feel, and sometimes I still do, like, I don't know, writing at Z Way right now, like, sometimes you'll have these stars and it'll be like, oh, I want to ask them, like, a really pointed question, get them to yeah. say something because it's like they are huge. They could, literally sway people's opinions that's a good that's a good point and it's true i mean yes i i do think that yeah i guess maybe then i would i would edit my answer a little bit to say like for big things like i think for an issue where it's really about like spreading the word so to speak and just like getting a message out there then it's really great when celebrities share their opinions but for micro controversies i am less interested in like doing a close read of someone's apology and 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 yeah that kind of thing yeah like i do think it is powerful when um you know for i don't want to get too in the weeds on this but like for instance now following the supreme court ruling i do think it like makes a difference if one goes online and sees that all these notable people with a lot of money and power are you know angry and and horrified like i certainly think that makes me feel and makes anyone much more affected than me feel less alone than if they just went on Instagram and people were posting like vacation photos. Totally. But at the same time, it's like, you know, do I care about like micro dramas from of like reality stars? Eh, I don't know. But it is entertaining. Sure. And that's kind of how I feel about it at Gawker too. I'm like, oh, it's really fun to, to publish this stuff and make it funny and make it like and give people something that's kind of entertaining that'll like make them chuckle during their day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. This is from Tim. If called upon and everything matched correctly, which of you would give a kidney to the other first? Well, it would depend who was called upon to do it. Who needed For, to? It's like... Well, I'm not just giving no, out my kidney. Yeah, yeah, like There's no world where we... <laughs> Are we both sick? Yeah. Like, if we're both <laughs> sick, we can't just trade kidneys. Let's move on. Okay. Sorry, not Sorry, to, Tim. no offense to no, Tim. No, we love you, Tim. We love you, Tim, and we would both give our kidney to the other if called upon. And we do it at the exact same time. And we do it at the exact same time. <laughs> We'd say three, two, one, trade. Um, very Cronenberg. <laughs> Sorry for misunderstanding your question. I'm sure we misunderstood, but but we're allowed to. We're allowed to. That's all right. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is from Sophie. Greetings from Australia. Oh my uh-huh. god. Greetings I love from that. Australia. Accent um, work. You have truly terrible accent work. <laughs> no, it's better. You heard that right. You boys have truly gone global. Your podcast is my favorite, spelled with a U, of all time. Mark oh. Marin found dead. R.I.P. <laughs> my question has to do with <laughs> George's comment on a recent episode about the name George coming back into fashion. I'm curious to know what you think the next big trend in baby names will be and give some examples. Even though this is an earnestness bonanza, I do feel this will give you both an opportunity to get into some real great riffs. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but also, what names do you think are nice? Not necessarily for future progeny, but just in general. No pressure to say. No pressure to say Sophie. Well, you know, I will say Sophie... Get this, my goddaughter named Sophie. And your goddaughter, who is also your cousin? Also my cousin. Yeah, famous. I guess it's technically Sophia because it's Greek, but um, she could easily go by Sophie if she wants. <laughs> totally. What names are trending right now? See, this is a tough... Sophie, I appreciate this question. I do feel it's tough. We're not in a baby-centric community. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of am more and more. Really? Because of Matthew, because Matthew's a little older than me. Matthew's 
close to a lot of his college friends. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of people we've had on. Nomi has a daughter. I mean, Nomi I can Fry. count on one hand the amount of people I know with children. Like, really? Personally. I, I definitely know a few, but I'm trying to, that's a good, I'm trying to think, who do I know that I would literally, like, have over for dinner? Not just acquaintances. Right. I think Nomi is one. Dan. Dan, of course. You know, my friend Sophie, who lives in the Bay Area, like, if I still lived there, we would be more in touch. But I honestly, like, haven't seen her in, like, seven years at this point. Yeah, whatever. I'm not going to go through my whole role. With <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you think? So, like, George being trendy, like, I do think there's, like, the older names are coming. Well, like, it's Greta Gerwig naming her son Harold. Exactly. Harold's are big. Henry's are big. I think maybe Charlie's are big. Mm. I think people want to be like, it's like the tweeness. Yeah. <laughs> people want to imagine their little babies in like little tweed jackets and um, like riding a bicycle in Europe. Yeah. I wonder if it has to do with also like the almost slightly ironic trad trend that's going on right now. Sure. sure I'm thinking sure. nap dresses. I'm thinking even like. People almost saying the wife or the husband semi-ironically. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a certain kind of like, I think people are naturally growing up. So they are, especially straight people getting married and having kids, but they don't want to fully commit to being their parents. Yeah. So they're finding ways to make it cutesy. Millennial parenthood. Millennial parenthood. To which I say, get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> you are your parents, bitch. Yeah. It's like. Have you can't the, have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, you can have your cake and eat it too. Like, go raise your kids. But I'm trying to think, okay, so that's one trend is the one we already mentioned. Old timey, I would say white Christian, not even Christian, uh, just like waspy names, I guess. Like names of like men going to work at like the company in the 50s. Yes. <laughs> it's madman culture. It's, it, is, it really is madman culture. Oh, I bet, you know what? I bet Peggy's going to make a comeback. I bet Peggy, somebody, oh, my sister told me that Charlotte is like the most popular name for girls right because now. Because of the royal family. Oh, is that why? Probably. Yeah. I think Charlotte, and now that I'm thinking about it, George is the other little baby. So basically, if you are um, pulling from the British royal family, that's yeah. pretty much what is popular. I bet you in... In terms of the British royal family, Archie, which was kind of an out-of-the-box choice for them, will be huge. I think... I, I mean, combined with the rise of Riverdale? Yes. Oh, my God. Archie... And what's the other one I just said? Peggy. Okay, that those are our official predictions. Archie and Peggy. I mean, it's it's literally we're going to get a milkshake down at the, the soda shop. Like, yeah. That's Archie and Peggy's. <laughs> Archie and Peggy's. We're all going Man. to the sock hop later. I've always like baby names have always my mom really drilled into us as when we were kids. She was like, she was like, you have to name your baby something Greek, but that has international appeal. <laughs> so like you can't name your kid like Aristotle because that like doesn't sound good if they like move to the UK. But you can name your kid like like my sisters are Lydia and Christina. Like, the, you know, they can easily like live wherever. Your mom is such a so I've always really PR woman. She is. She's a girl boss. <laughs> It has to have international appeal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the market. What are the markets in China going to think of that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this is from Sophie. Wasn't the last one Sophie? Am I losing? There are my mind? multiple Sophies. Well, yeah, this is a different Sophie. Oh my god! You know what else is crazy? They have the same initials. 
Okay, that is insane. And they emailed us within like a few hours of one another. This is not interesting to anyone except us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm a technical recruiter and a DEI advisor for a company. Here comes the drag and I'm absolutely miserable. I love the people that I work with, but the responsibilities and work entails does not equal the amount I'm compensated. So I think it's time to leave, but I do not want to be a recruiter anywhere else unless it's Google. I want to go into data analysis within DEI, but I don't know where to start. Mm. I'm doing a Google certification, but don't know if it will even pay off. Any advice for someone trying to make a career change? Or should I just stay in the same space, but somewhere else? Help. I'm lost. Love it. Love it. I can attempt this since I know many people who are technical recruiters believe it or not oh please i would love that although i guess my answer would not be that uh, specific to the tech thing but i do just kind of feel first of all many people right now are considering career changes so you're not alone and um i think it is nice to be at a place where you feel like you've gotten what you want to get out of one field and you want to like explore more What's nice about being doing something like technical recruiting is that presumably you work at a company that has people working in all other different departments and stuff. So if it's not too awkward, I would try to like talk to people doing other kinds of jobs within your company and have like informational interviews so that you can kind of see what else is out there. Otherwise, I mean, I do feel like the best thing you can do is Think of people in your life whose careers you look up to, you look up to and think are kind of realistic for you to uh, try to emulate and then just talk to them. I actually wasted many months and years of my life not asking people more questions about how things get done because you think you're going to sound annoying or you think you're going to sound ignorant or you think like it's going to create some kind of hierarchy between you and your friend because they're going to see you as less successful or something. I really think the best thing to do is to just come out and, uh, and and talk to people. Yeah. And I think that was a beautiful answer. That's why George crushed it in our meeting. <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, if you feel like you want to move on, I think that's usually a good sign that you should move on. Yeah. Let's go over to the next question. All right. Okay. This is for me. <laughs> uh, okay. This is from Sienna. And the question is, is Yanis Varoufakis hot? This is an important question. I'll say this about Give some Yanis Varoufakis. Oh, yeah. Yanis Varoufakis was a huge figure in the Greek government when when the financial crisis and the austerity crisis were at their worst. And he is kind of like... Um, he's a left-wing politician in the who was in this uh, Syriza government, which is the government that was in power during like the Greek referendum and stuff. And he was... I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Minister of Finance. I was like, how? What? What? I, I could. I couldn't remember if it was called like Secretary of Treasury in Greece or if it was called Minister of Finance. So he was a Minister of Finance. I think people really appreciated how outspoken he was about austerity measures, and he also had a kind of vibe where he would like ride a motorcycle around and wear a T-shirt and was kind of like a cool guy. <laughs> and I think that I don't want to get too into the weeds of. Um, of that administration in Greece. But I think that a lot of people who like followed this news from the US like don't have uh, a full context of, of like Greek history and Greek politics. And so while I think he was like a really important figure and I completely appreciate uh, the the kind of energy he brought, I have 
slightly more complex feelings about him as someone mm. whose family was affected by the crisis and stuff. Um, having said that, is he hot? Unfortunately, yes. Wow. He has kind of a, a pornish vibe to him. Yeah, he's like, he's hot. There's no way around it. <laughs> it also just like he unfortunately I, I think he since then has become kind of a thought leader I think one thing that bothers me about him I'm sorry to say is just that like he was like a professor in the states and then basically went to Greece to do this kind of left things worse than they were and then went back to being like essentially like a thought leader in like leftist politics and I'm kind of like Stay in Greece, like invest in the invest in the country. If your whole thing is like being this like fearless truth teller, you know what I mean? Shop local. Yeah. Like it's not that I disagree with his politics at all. That's not my issue with him. There's just something that's a little that I found a little sleazy where it's like he cares more about his personal brand than than any kind of uh, grassroots work he's uh, doing. Anyway. okay, that's enough. Is this from this is from Cecile. Do you think I'm saying that right? Yes. Yeah. Would you ever consider doing a boyfriend's episode where your domestic partners are the guests? Or do you ultimately think it would destroy the trust and comfort you have built up in your relationships over the years? Hmm. I would be not opposed. I think it would be a, it could be a nightmare, but mostly I worry. See, Misha, he's shy. And yeah. I think, but I also think he craves the spotlight in ways that he doesn't quite understand. So part of me, I think it would be fun to have him on. Very interesting. What do you think about what yeah. do you think about this? I mean, I I'm very like um <laughs> I almost feel embarrassed to think about whether someone is like interested in our personal lives if that makes sense. Like mm. it's like I feel like it's so presumptuous to be like, "Wow, isn't it interesting that we're talking to our boyfriends or something?" Sure. But of course I I get the appeal of it. Um and like both of them would be very funny on the pod and I'm not ruling it out, but I'm kind of like, I don't know. It makes me feel weird. <laughs> well, that's that. Let's but if you want to listen to Matthew on a podcast, he did How Long Gone. And he also recently did the New York Times book podcast. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. This is from DJ. As the summer for Forgetful Girls kicks off, I can't help but wonder, what advice would you give your 25-year-old self, especially re-dating and love? Also, do you think the perfect outfit for Pride will make someone fall in love with me? <laughs> mm. um, well, I guess my advice to myself would be like, chill out. Like, yeah. I think I was, I was, especially when I first moved to New York, I was like, get a boyfriend date 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 and i was just like going on dates to go on dates and it was like this is stupid also like i think when you're 25 you think like oh i'm 25 time to be a grown-up and it's like oh babe you're just getting started yeah chill out the people that get in a relationship at 23 and like stick with it it's like oh there you might as well have a high school sweetheart <laughs> yeah i guess my answer would be as much as i love my parents to death they really instilled in us this like almost belligerent ethos of striving or not just striving but like planning ahead like my mom would when I didn't know what I wanted to do for instance and I you know I was like oh maybe I want to go to law school maybe I want to go to I don't know business school whatever she was like well okay you want to go to law school definitely get an engineering degree first just so you have like a technical background because that'll help you later on and then you can go to law school but you'll like but you will have spent like those four years of college like really like learning a discipline rather than just writing novels you know <laughs> <laughs> like and I 
to be honest, as much as I have kind of tried to unlearn a version of that over the last decade or whatever, part of me still essentially believes it, which is mm. like crazy. <laughs> like part of me is still like, you know, it's this kind of, um, you know, you, you want to be as productive as possible at each stage and always be like consciously putting building blocks on top of one another so that no moment is wasted. And so I think that similar to your thing about chilling out, I would say as it's not this um, straightforward path that you're yes. going to be on. Like you have to be open. You basically have to be open to uh, serendipity and surprise encounters and surprise decisions and almost kind of have faith that things not always, but that sometimes things will come your way. Like when you look at the future and you're like, oh, my God, there are no opportunities. I don't know what I'm doing. Nothing. Nothing is happening. If you keep persevering, like it'll eventually it, it all uh, something will happen. Yeah. And let's say that. Yeah. Next cue. All right. OK, so this is actually, I think, an interesting one. <laughs> this is from Blake. <laughs> The so third email think, really made me laugh. Yeah. This is from Blake. And I think that um, based on this email, my guess would be that Blake is a gay man. But I also don't want to assume. So I will read the, uh, the there are three emails. <laughs> One says, I eventually want to have a kid. And part of me wants to ask my sisters to freeze her eggs for me. But is that weird? Then Blake says, holy shit, it's like $40,000. I work for a nonprofit and she lives in the Midwest. And then the third one is, wait, it would have to be my lover's nut. I don't like this. <laughs> Weirdly enough, this is actually like a thing to think about. It's like one of those weird hacks, not hacks, but like one of those weird things when you're a gay guy with a sister where you're like, maybe, but also no. Yeah, I mean, like in some ways it's it's the perfect crime, and then in other ways you're like, ew, I don't want that. That's disgusting. But then you're like, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go off. But I guess I don't even know what the question is. I'm just like, well, the question is, it's. I mean, first it's not- Blake is asking, should Blake's sister freeze her eggs in order to then grant Blake and his lover children, <laughs> and then Blake is second guessing okay this plan i mean i would say yes it's a little weird but like so is everything about being like gay right like yeah you also like use your butt for sex like almost exclusively i would say don't do it <laughs> i would yeah if if you're waiting for us i would say i'd say mm. I'm going to say it's a no for me dog. Yeah, I'm not going to invest. But it is complicated. It is. It's one of those things where much like a lot of queer family stuff where you're like, wait a minute. How much of this is like weird things I have to unlearn? How much of it is actually like legitimate? I I genuinely don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And to be quite frank, the idea of having kids is truly something where I'm like. I talk about planning ahead. I'm like. The logistics of that sounds so daunting that I cannot think about it until I'm literally, until I literally want a 
child this second which is not the right way to go about it <laughs> it's hard to tell i mean you being like holy shit it's forty thousand dollars i'm like yeah you can't have a child unless and this is wrong but this is how yeah. i feel in my mind i'm like you can't have a child unless you have like two million dollars in the bank like what are you <laughs> it is so we actually can't get into this because it's one of the, of the most current... expensive things you can get yes I, it, it's just nuts how it's truly nuts how easy it is to produce a child if you're straight well, even then you have to pay like hospital bills and shit. No, I'm not saying easy financially. I'm just oh, saying oh, like oh. just the fact that it's like whoopsies, it happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. This is from Ben. Question one. According to people who make their thing liking movies and TV, movies and TV have a lot of problems right now. In your opinions, what is in a better place currently, movies or TV? Who is eating culturally? Uh, incredible question. Uh, um, let's start there. Great. What do you think? I I don't know if it's again sometimes my emotions get the better of me. My gut reaction is that actually TV is totally flopping and movies are eating. I could not agree more. Well, with the one caveat that like then you go and look at Showtime's and it's literally all uh sequels and reboots. Well, that. But if we're taking those out, like let's say we're comparing original movies and TV, then original movies are eating. Yeah. I also do think there's like more of a backlash growing to the the Marvel, the Star Wars, and so yeah. I think people are really valuing as a community those uh, original releases. Totally, that's a very good point. It's because movies are actually flopping as a genre. People are really excited when a good one comes out. Yeah, yeah, and TV. I'm I'm like, I'm I'm mad at TV right now. <laughs> there's just so much, and everyone's like, "Oh, you have to see it," and I'm like, "Do I?" No, no, you don't, and no one does. Literally, literally cancel all TV until we can figure out what's going on. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. I it talk about talk about like low low brow like middle brow inanity. <laughs> like absolutely. I mean, it's truly just like, oh, you're shooting this well, so you think I'm going to believe it's good. Yeah, I don't believe off. it's good. Oh, you cast really important people, so I'm supposed to just trust you? No, this sucks. No, no. Get over yourselves. Get over yourselves. I am so angry at TV. <laughs> um, having said that, available for staffing anytime. Yes, would love to staff, cast, and even yeah, create. Both of us have pilots. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this about movies. Like I was talking to Sam about this during our Patreon episode, but I recently went to see that movie Memoria with Tilda Swinton, which is like the whole gimmick is that it plays for one week at a time in each city and it just is going to tour around forever. And like when I walked out of that movie, it definitely had its ups and downs, but I was like, TV can never do this. I'm sorry. I know that's like controversial to be like, to say one form is inherently better than the other, but like some things are, uh, you know, only cinema can do. I'm sorry. It's true. Also so much like, quote unquote prestige TV right now is just like a movie that they made too long Mm -hmm. and it's like let's cut this down girlies yeah TV you are on notice (laughs) officially okay and part two if you were stopped on the street by one of those people who asks people what they're listening to on their headphones what would you most likely be listening to and what artist would you most want to tell the world you're listening to this is such a funny fun question great question I love it George, do you have an answer? Because I'm now looking at my phone. I mean, it really is. I I really just get 
obsessed with different things for months at a time and then move on and never think about it again. <laughs> I was in a huge Fiona Apple phase for most of 2021. I would say then I kind of like I listened to her so much that I no longer I, I think I need a little break. Mm-hmm. I was then in a real, really big Heim place. Mm-hmm. I was recently in a really big Lauren Hill. Really? Phase. Fun. Yeah. Um, Lauren Hill's MTV Unplugged album is like truly, I mean, I'm not the first to say it, but it really is like one of the best top to bottom live albums, I think. Okay, here's something crazy. I've recently discovered, someone shared this on Instagram. I recently discovered The Row, which is Mary Kate and Ashley's fashion brand, mm-hmm. puts out monthly playlists <laughs> on Spotify. I didn't know this. And they're genuinely so good. Really? Yeah. And so, some because I'm really bad at making my own playlists and having, I just don't have the patience for that. I famously have undiagnosed ADHD. <laughs> and <laughs> there's something about it that it's kind of easy listening, but high quality easy listening. And I also like don't know more than half of the bands and musicians featured. So I'm constantly discovering new stuff. Wow. That's nice. And I'm kind of like, who? I, I'm kind of on an eternal quest to figure out who curates them because yeah, I, I'm like, maybe the girls do. That would be a sleigh. Anyway, so that's that's my answer. Well, I guess part of this is, so that's what you oh, are listening to, but what would yes. you want to tell the world? What would be like see, the most see, like... I yeah, I guess... Hmm. Honestly, I I wish I had a better knowledge of like interesting bands from like the 70s through the 90s. Mm-hmm. I really only there are a few that I've occasionally gotten into, but I really only know the basics. Even something as simple as like pavement. I'm like, I I know I should like pavement. I've never gotten into. <laughs> I was a huge pavement head because they are. So was Matthew. Wow. Yeah. Um, they're from they went to UVA so they're like Ooh. local legends in Charlottesville yeah yeah I the issue is if I were stopped on the street and they asked me it would definitely be something I don't agree with politically like <laughs> I feel like the music I'm listening to it's I at this point in my life I'm mostly just trying to like see what's happening like I'm just sort of like what's this totally. album what's this album what's this album so yeah. it's not something I necessarily agree with um, for example, what I'm currently like, I actually am listening to the new Drake album a lot. I knew I, literally same, and I knew that's what you were going to say, <laughs> but I didn't want to guess before you said it. Like, I was actually thinking that right when I finished my answer, I was like, "Oh, this week it would have been the new Drake album because people were saying how good it was," and so I was like, "Sure." And I listened to it once, and I was like, "Boring," and then I yeah. listened to it again, and I was like, mm, "And now I can't stop listening to it." And uh, I am a don't get mad at me listeners i am a recovering drake stan i was like we all are in 2015 or whatever i was obsessed with the man could not get enough of the stuff and so yeah so i still every time he puts something out i'm like i'm gonna listen and this one i'm kind of liking yeah what would i want to tell the world i'm listening to i do like in those videos when they're like like i would love to tell them like something gay like i like when it's like someone who's like cool and it's like what are you listening to and they're like Charlie XCX. Like, I love, like, sort of just being like, I'm gay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, there's also... Okay, so... I'd love to go, Rosalia. Similar to that. So, do you know Patrick Sandberg? Mm-hmm. He made a playlist at the end of 2021. It's called Undead 21, if you look it up on Spotify. And it has, like, all this good music from 2021, most of which 
I hadn't heard of. I mean, some of it is like Grimes, but a lot of it I hadn't heard of. And I'm like, wow, like I am just out of the loop. <laughs> like I would love to to know what is going on in like queer adjacent uh, pop rock disco electronic whatever music so that would be great well but i kind of i I do kind of okay get this i'm kind of in a place where i'm like i should get into bob dylan whoa like that's I, i'm like i i you're wanting this, some roots you're wanting to i'm wanting exactly i'm wanting some roots you're wanting history i'm, I'm wanting some roots and i want like i want to watch uh for instance like quest loves documentary like i, I want that air i i want some thing to ground me yeah I've and I've been listening to a lot of Joni Mitchell for that reason. Yes, that's a yeah. All right, let's move on. Great, great cue. This is from Rita, George and Sam. My question for you this bonanza season is this: Who is the American royal family? And you can't say the Kardashians, and you can't say the Kennedys. Thank you, Mesami. <laughs> um, I guess the Apatows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this answer, I mean, with the goes Heim without sisters? saying the Heim sisters, I think the Grandes, I mean, you have Ariana Ooh, yeah. and you have Frankie. Yeah. I think uh, if we're talking Brooklyn, the Halls, 100%. <laughs> I would say the original judges of American Idol, Simon Cowell, Paula Abdul and Randy Jackson are chosen, the, the <laughs> royal chosen family. Yeah, definitely. I would say the queer eye guys. You know, they're the queer eye guys for sure. <laughs> they're America's like royal uncles. Maybe like the, you know what? Maybe it's like the various Italian American actors Scorsese works with. <laughs> like that is the American royal family. I like that. It's answer. like Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. The Smiths. The Smiths. I. Well, this is so obvious, but you could say it's Beyonce and Jay-Z or like the royal couple. Oh, that is true, actually. And I think because that you have Solange there who is kind of like she's more for the... The alt girls. For the alt girls. Um, you know, if Beyonce is... Well, I'm not even going to... I'm not even going to venture a comparison there. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's something there. They and, have the, the cold, reserved like control yes. over the media that you need to actually be a royal right. family. And then Kelly Rowland is kind of like the fun sister who shows up with a fun hat to the royal uh, wedding. I love her. Yes. To honestly just just in general justice for Kelly Rowland. Thank you. Kelly Rowland is one of the most joyful performers like and really does do it all for the community. And the fact that she's like not as big as Beyonce, I actually think is like a credit to her. Like it's sort of like, yeah, I don't need to be gigantic. I make yeah. songs that are fun and then I'm just sort of yes. chilling. She also seems so happy. She seems so happy. And looks incredible. Gorgeous. Yeah. So I guess Kelly Rowland. Kelly Rowland. <laughs> right. So this is from Andrea and she wrote a lot of very nice things and we're just gonna we're gonna hone in on the question hone not, in not on the question not because we don't wanna I actually think she wrote a lot of personal stuff which we're so grateful that she felt comfortable enough to share with us but I we don't also don't need to like read them for everyone to yeah to we don't need to, to dox her but I will we'll say she's a great storyteller <laughs> it's a great storyteller beautiful emailer and a well formatted email mm. So the question is, so basically she lives in a small Canadian town and wants to be in 
maybe a bigger city and doesn't know. She says, I don't know if I should move to a big city and try to change my whole life or just embrace my basicness, straightness, and continue to use this podcast as an outlet to get away from the live, laugh, love of it all. Does that make any sense? Yeah. it's and it, it, To me, this reminds me of like, you know, we've both had dreams of like, what if, or I certainly, like every time I do, do any kind of traveling or even frankly look at an Instagram of someone else traveling, <laughs> I'm like, what if I move to Berlin? What if I move to Paris? It's just like this constant dream that your life could be basically like more interesting than, than you yourself think it is. Do you feel that way? And how do you deal with that? I don't. I don't. I don't know why I don't. I feel very like maybe it's cynical like i'm like yeah i just know that you know i have to be in either new york or la and i have totally. like and so i don't even fantasize because i'm just like it's it's only painful to fantasize about leaving but i definitely think like a city is not better <laughs> i think it's just like yes maybe it's easier to meet like-minded people with the same interests as you but it's often miserable um and i've had many friends move to the city that then like don't because they're not here for a specific career and they're just like well i'm young and i should be around other young people figuring it out and then they're just like oh fuck this and i i know like if i can speak for like misha does not like new york like he's really yeah he fantasizes every time we leave the city he's like i wish we could leave and i'm like huh damn (laughs) (laughs) And but I am very cynical, and I'm just sort of like, but maybe cynical is not the word. I just like, I'm sort of like everywhere has its ups and downs. Like, and the ups and downs of this city, I can, I understand, and it it provides me what I need. So yeah, but I don't know. What do you? How do you feel about it? I almost I feel similarly in the sense that I almost feel a sense of. Rather than thinking of it cynically, I think I feel a sense of like safety and comfort in the fact that I don't have a lot of options. Like Mm -hmm. we have to live in one of two cities, presumably to pursue the things we want to pursue. And that just makes any kind of um, secret desire I have for anything else just easier because I'm like, well, just shut that down. Like it's, you know, that's just not realistic. But having said that, I mean, there is a part of me where I'm like, well, what if I gave up on live performance, let's say, and wanted to just be a writer, and then I could live anywhere. And then, you know, and I think this is like especially the case for me because my family lives abroad and I feel very far away from them. I feel like I don't, I only get to see my parents like once or twice a year, even though we're very close and I, they're, my grandparents are getting older, whatever. And I'm like, wow, it would be kind of cool to like for a year fully like live a, a, a half expat lifestyle in Athens or something yeah but the second part of this question is also kind of like uh you know she's saying where where she is uh she says she's 32 and a lot of her friends like are busy and married and it's less easy than you might think to like have everyone over for an impromptu dinner and you know like a natural wine and backyard hangs and whatever which I think I have to say um is actually also the case if you were to live in Brooklyn or Manhattan or Los Angeles or Berlin. Yeah. Like, I unfortunately think that when you are in your 30s, at this point, especially for straight people, but honestly, within a few years, it'll be for gay people too. People, it just happens. And it happens, it happens 
if not just as much, a very comparable amount in New York. Yeah. It's not like here everyone is like going to raves well into their 30s. Right, right, right. So my only advice is just like to like don't, um, you know, the grass is like don't think of New York as this magical place where like all your 30 something friends wouldn't be busy with kids. It's just I like think of that more as like a, a universal thing. Yeah. And also maybe the answer is also sort of like, I mean, and you say you went to Europe to try living abroad for a second and it was somewhat disappointing, but maybe, maybe there's like a middle ground. Like maybe you don't need to be in the town you grew up in, but there's like a medium sized city where you can feel a little bit of that urbanness and not completely reinvent and not to, I don't know, advice. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about giving advice, but that would be what I would do. I would feel. I do think if I were to not live in New York, I would move to somewhere like Philadelphia. Really? <laughs> yeah. For some reason, Philadelphia is to me <laughs> the dream where it's like, it's a fun, cool, nice city, but it's also very manageable as a place to live. That is so funny. And so for some reason, it's the North Star in my mind. Yeah. But also, I don't know. I'm not going to move to Philadelphia. I always thought pre-Brexit, I was always like, I could live in London. Like, that's like the perfect balance because it's like close to my family. But also you can still be like a English speaking comedian and writer. Sure. But. Wow. You in London. Thanks a lot, Boris Johnson. <laughs> you missed out on George because of your politics. Yeah, seriously. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. All right. This next one is from Evan. And Evan, similarly sent such a great long email with uh, helpfully bolded parts where the questions are. And this is a question. Okay, so the question is, how do you get off Twitter without missing out on culture, humor, news, marginalized perspectives, etc.? And then there's, of course, a, a description. I mean, it's it's kind of like the eternal uh, question, which is that you do get things out of Twitter, especially if you follow the right people. And I think it can be really funny, it can be really informative, but it also makes you feel bad and you admittedly always feel better when you're off it so what is the answer sam (laughs) what is the answer um i don't know i mean like yesterday with all the supreme court news was like really tough to be on twitter but it also felt important to feel that toughness to feel like anger and sadness so i'm torn on it because there were parts of me that were like Okay, but stop. You're just hurting yourself. And then there were parts mm-hmm. where it was like, no, you you need to feel anger. You need to feel a push to feel some action or to do some action. Yeah. And even if it's not even if it's not action, it's just like a a place that other people are feeling similarly to you so you feel less alone, I guess. I mean, yeah. But it's a tough I mean, in the day-to-day, I I do think it's like just about listening to yourself and knowing when to walk away and yeah, I personally would not quit at this stage in my life but i'm also i don't know i'm also like quit if you feel like it i'm torn george what do you think i'm being stupid i mean i almost feel like i mean i hate to say it but i do i'm not following my own advice but i kind of do feel like the answer is getting off twitter completely and Mm. like really investing in like better media consumption habits like shop around and see what new what publications you enjoy reading what newsletters you enjoy like look at the you know 
if there are people whose perspectives you enjoy online, then see if they themselves have like either like a newsletter or a podcast or they write for a magazine or whatever. And it's a, a little more difficult because you have to do the work of like curating something rather than just going on a website and having it curated for you. But like every single time I've done that in my life, I have felt better. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe it's a cop out for me to say do that, but then not do it myself. But I kind of feel like that is if I were recommending something that is what I would recommend like I kind of feel like it does more bad than good yeah but where will I post my funny jokes I mean it's true where will I post my passing thoughts I (laughs) and I do think what what he's saying too is like it gives you a access to like being kind of like the pulse of the culture Kind of. Yeah. Because it's so many people that like either are writers or artists or, you know, public figures or whatever. I'm just thinking like, what if the time you spent on Twitter, you spent reading magazines, which are also about the culture. Right. Right. You know what I mean, you're right. And they're so cheap right now because they're all failing. <laughs> so subscribe to like the New Yorker, New York magazine, book forum, art forum <laughs> and like. I don't know, some other one. I love that. And see, and and like when you feel the need, when you feel like you would have gone on Twitter, read something and maybe I'll do the same one day. I think that's great advice. Incredible. Do as we say, not as we do. (laughs) (laughs) This is for Felicia. So it's addressed to me, but we're both going to answer it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hope that's okay. Sam, you've talked about how you tend to shut down around your family when you otherwise have a wonderful outgoing personality as a person and a performer. Well, that's very sweet. I tend to do the same and am recently starting to actually entertain the idea of performing slash doing comedy after many years of viewing it as a silly little dream for another lifetime. My question is, does your family watch slash listen to your comedy and how do you reconcile them seeing that version of yourself with the one they usually experience? Hmm. Hmm. I, I actually, I do think this is a good earnestness question. My parents have limited experience viewing my comedy i can count on one hand the shows they've been to but they've been it's been an interesting i i have a a positive relationship with my parents um truly and it's mostly just like i my comedy is not in my mind for them Mm -hmm. and it never has been and that's okay and it's not they don't even say that i'm i'm more putting up walls than they are but which is toxic in its own way but um they came to like so bowen and i used to put on the show called live on broad gay where it was all gay male comedians performing an episode of sex in the city as if it was a serious piece of theater and they came to that and they they were like what is this (laughs) which i felt like was a good step because i was kind of a they hadn't seen me being like gay before (laughs) Like that was like, oh, they're coming to New York and they're like seeing me hang out with gay people and they're going to be in sort of a gay space. So that was exciting, but they were confused and not just because it was like, what is this? Um, then they saw a show I did like a solo show called Club Comic, where it was like all these club comedic club tracks and stand up. And I was sure they would hate it because they I was like, they're just not going to get it. It's like nasty like some of the songs are like about literally i had a song about my asshole where it was like called boy bot and it was like everything about me is perfect but just don't go near my ass um and but they were like after the show they were like that was so funny they were like i've never seen you be so funny (laughs) and like yourself and blah 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 and i was really it was like kind of i was glad they saw it because i was kind of touched that they 
understood it and liked it. And even like my uncle came to that show who's like Southern lives on a farm. Just like truly, I was like, this is not going to click. You know, I had a song called like my sex is like a sports game. And like, like I'm like, <laughs> that's a great song <laughs> wearing like a jock strap over my shorts and like shirtless. And I, like moaning and he was like that was so funny and i was like <laughs> wow this is uh really something um so it was kind of it was nice but it's always confusing sometimes my mom listens to the podcast and i have actually been like mom could you please not because i don't like to know that <laughs> like i don't want to be censoring myself and thinking of them as i am talking just because there are some cultural differences sometimes yeah quite frankly Tea. Uh, George, what's your relationship with comedy and your parents? Um, the one time they saw me perform, I think was a big shock to them. And it was because it was, I think I've maybe talked about this at a different Ernest and Spinanza, but it was like during my grad school graduation. And so in my mind, I thought, oh, this is a safe environment to introduce them to this part of my life because they're proud of me for doing something that is within their comfort zone. Like they're here for a literal academic graduation so now i can be like okay well and also i do this now like what do you think and somehow i thought that it would be like so effortless and they were i could just tell they were like kind of surprised by it. like there was just like one sexually explicit joke that i thought they wouldn't mind and it wasn't like it's not that they're prudish or like afraid of sex they just like were so not expecting it like they thought the comedy would just be like you know like Dogs are like this and cats are like this. Uh But I will say since that incident, they are so in terms of just like theoretically me doing comedy, they're so supportive. Like they always ask me if I have shows and they like have listened to the podcast and they tell their friends about it. And and they're like they think it's so amusing. And they like every time I do anything that's even a little, you know, like when I had a set on Comedy Central, they were like so excited about it and, and whatever. So I think they like. And I actually think they did like that set more. I think maybe because it didn't have any sex stuff. But <laughs> but yeah, I think I think they are very supportive of it as a path at this point after a few years of working through it. And I think that can exist separately from them like understanding the actual content. Yeah. Yeah. Which is honestly a good place to be, I think. Yeah. Respectful and yeah. at a distance. Yeah. Okay, this is from Aria. Mm-hmm. About 87... Per- oh, this is inspired by a tweet, but it says, what's one phone notification that you sit around waiting for where every time your phone vibrates, you hope it's that? This I love because I've always been... <laughs> I used to joke with when I worked at the Y with a bunch of other comedians, we'd always joke about that big email and be like, "That I know the big email's coming through today, which was obviously... No big emails come as a surprise, but there's such a fantasy in like comedy, I feel, of someone just picking you out, which never happens. It's absolutely a fantasy, but it really is just like you want that email that's like, hey, weirdly, they need you and you're going to be like (laughs) this, like you're actually going to be like a side character in a movie today. (laughs) Um, And it's crazy. It's like. It's like a small part, but it's really funny and you're going to make a huge impact. And it's like, this is so stupid. I I, I hate that the the optimism I feel, I truly check my emails sometimes when I'm bored to just like hope it's something <laughs> big. Like it's literally a childhood fantasy of being like, I just want that one email that's going to take me away from here. 
No, basically every time I get any kind of email from someone in the industry, I think it's going to, I'm like, is it an offer? <laughs> and it's like, no, we're actually just, um, you didn't sign the W-2. <laughs> it's so crazy because the actual process is so even when you get something exciting, it's like then months of discussing and like by the time it actually happens, the joy has been almost entirely sucked out of it. Yeah. But it's such a <laughs> such a fantasy to be like, oh, everything's perfect and it's happening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I will say so a lot of um, big celebrities have gone to Allison Libby's show and often they will send notes. And so that when she told me that that awakened within me a new desire which is for like what if you like did a show that was in a big enough venue that you couldn't see everyone there and then the next day you got an email from sarah jessica parker and she was like sam i got your email from you know the head of uh the venue i just wanted to say how incredible i thought your performance was i mean the way that that will make me cry Sarah Jessica Parker, please reach out. Just, just if Sarah Jessica Parker emailed us today and just said, like, keep up the good work. You guys are really sweet. I would be like, I would be moved. 100%. And Sarah Jessica, we will give you free tickets to our Bell House show. (laughs) You don't have to pay. And Matthew can come too. Yeah, both of you will get free tickets. Okay, this is from huge friend of the pod, Isle McElroy, who I recently had drinks with and who, in fact, we met because they were a listener and then ended up writing that vulture piece about us the question is what have you most learned from each other creatively and or personally ready for Uh, earnestness uh, ready for earnestness this is earnestness okay what have i learned from george i would say i think i have learned a little bit more to have like a backbone i actually feel like part of of my talent is like versatility and like kind of thinking I can do it all. But I've also learned like, Oh, you don't have to constantly be trying. You can just like know who you are and like Mm -hmm. stick, like do it well and like believe in it. And I feel like I like really admire that about you. And I feel like in this podcast, even you being the other half is part of what has given it such a strong voice because you are like, no, I believe in it this way. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. I do think if I were doing it solo or with someone else, it would be more like, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's this, or like, ah, is this coming off too? Is this coming off too? And you're very like, what we're doing is right. And it's, I think, a very, it's very helpful. And I think will truly be like helpful in my future and in our future. Well, that's very sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, honestly, I'm tearing up. Why? Oh my God, stop. <laughs> Wait, this is so weird. <laughs> Sam. Um, okay. Yeah, I I think that what I most admire about you creatively is the sense of joy that you have in everything you do. And I actually think it's like a different instinct that than I have. I actually think like my instinct is to find comedy in um, almost like whether it's not uh, maybe conflict or tension or like to look for something uncomfortable and then take it to the very edge and then think of a punchline or something. And I think in some ways your comedy is so much more inclusive and welcoming and expansive because you are, it, it just stems from like a kind of optimism that I sometimes lack. I think that it has 
in fact help me maintain my sanity in like a very real way (laughs) (laughs) because um it is uh it's a very important counterweight to my natural kind of anxious instincts personally i mean this is not a very uh earnest or heartfelt thing but actually something i've learned from you is to like really enjoy um gay spaces (laughs) like i i think you're you're commitment to gay bars and gay parties and <laughs> and like gay events is what made made all of that click for me to see how much joy it brings you wow and now i like seek it out on my own even when i'm not hanging out with you that's so sweet i love that yeah i and this one's also less i feel like less emotional maybe but similarly i feel like <laughs> you have like I feel like I was very pretentious in college and then I kind of went on like an anti-pretension train mm-hmm. and then I feel like I'm sort of finding the middle ground and I think you've shown me like a little bit more of the value in like seeking that like a higher <laughs> uh, like a higher brow out yeah. like I, I do think it's like been helpful to be like right there is value in this and the world doesn't support this and it is almost our job to support this stuff because we do want this stuff to exist and the other stuff will always exist but like it's (laughs) this stuff is very valuable and we should cherish it and by this stuff we mean our podcast (laughs) and by this stuff we mean mostly um niche gay comedy podcasts that's right damn i mean that was that's earnest that got me i can't believe i was that was weird (laughs) <laughs> no it's good yeah all right okay this is from ronnie i am interested in hearing you two unpack your stradio lab persona since the beginning of the podcast do you think they have changed my take okay telling us what to think <laughs> <laughs> there are ways in which you two have melded more as one persona george becoming less serious sam a bit more george sharing more of his sexual side sam a bit less sam setting up segment one more george setting up shout outs more I see the relationship evolution making the show stronger. So that's that's the take. Um, do we think we have changed? I mean, I would like to think we've both grown, but also become more like one another. Like, I have found myself, um, and I think you expressed something similar to me too. I find myself when I'm watching a movie or listening to a song or reading a book, sometimes thinking, what would Sam think of this? Like, <laughs> like uh, reading or listening to it through your eyes and ears. Yeah. Which is very funny. It's almost, uh, I think, it's almost similar to what I've heard it's like to be twins. <laughs> I mean, we're both gay cancers. We're twins. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, talk about when we watched Star Wars and I was just, I could not not see it through your eyes. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's natural that we've, we can also, yeah, because we're able to like almost anticipate how the other will react a bit more now i feel Mm -hmm. we also try to switch it up and (laughs) react differently to like keep each other fresh and yeah the stuff like the more sexual less sexual i feel like it's also just like hey sometimes sometimes the bit gets old i i i'm very wary of being like a hack and sometimes to a a negative degree where i'll like cut things off before they should yeah but sometimes i i'm I'm very like, I did that. Move on. Also, there are just things we talked about a lot during the beginning. And then it's like, there's not more to say about yeah, that. Yeah, that's like, pretty much go it. Go <laughs> back and listen to those first episodes. Yeah. One thing that I felt, even though at the time I thought it was very funny and I still do think it's funny, but like 
the recurring bit that we're like mad at each other or in a fight, I think maybe it's occasionally still funny, but I feel like we did what we could with that. <laughs> like, like I'm kind of like not interested in that being like such a big part of it in the same way that it was like during the first season, for example. Yeah. And kind of like trying to find jokes from fake conflict. Like, I think it's good in moderation. Like, I think it's so fun when we do it with Max. Of course. But it does make you realize that yes and, in fact, leads to more comedic results than than disagreeing. <laughs> Classic improv training. We also just have settled into the format. Like, with me complaining about shoutouts, for instance, in the beginning, it's like, well... What are you going to do? Complain about it forever? <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> yeah. Either accept it or change it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also why, like, I love that we have guests. I just to like switch our, our perspectives up and feel like a sense of surprise because this podcast is about, or a lot of it was like us getting to know each other at the beginning mm-hmm. and like yeah. being surprised by each other's opinions and feelings towards things. A hundred percent. I do think the, not to say that I don't still learn new things about you every day, but I do think the eras that were, it was like us learning to be with each other. And then as soon as that clicked, then it was us against the world, dare I say. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. That has been the most fulfilling thing about it for me. Because I don't think I've ever had a, I've never, in fact, had anything even close to a working relationship this deep. Yeah, I I feel the same way. All right, next question. Okay, this is from Lucy, who says, um, in honor of Beyonce announcing Renaissance Part 1, what are your favorite Beyonce songs? This is a really good question. This is, I actually was scared when you sent this question because I was like, oh, like, favorites always kind of stress me out because it's too hard. Yeah. And like, for someone like Beyonce, where it's like such a long, varied career, it's very difficult to name a favorite. And having said that, mine would be her cover of Sex on Fire. <laughs> no. <laughs> no <I'm kidding. laughs> People, okay, here's what I'll say. A lot of, I think the cool music fan thing is to think 4 is her best album. Well, and that's right? literally what I was just about to say. And I, I kind of agree with it. Yeah. I I think that is, I mean, for that album, like, solidified, or like, separated her from the pack. Where she was kind of like, oh, I'm not playing your little pop star games anymore. Totally, totally. And that like set up for it to be gigantic when she dropped self-titled. At the same time, I Am Sasha Fierce is all bops. <laughs> You're 100% right. Like it actually, I'm sorry to say, look at the Sasha Fierce side of I Am Sasha Fierce. Okay, Single Ladies on. Radio. Radio is a great song. <laughs> Diva, another great song. Okay, I'm, I'm, Sweet I'm, Dreams I'm, is an all-time Beyonce song. No. Or beautiful Sweet nightmares, dream, yeah. Nightmare. nightmare. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's a hit. Video phone. Hello, Video ego. Phone. All right. I, you know, and 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 here's what I'll say. I love Autor Beyonce, and I I appreciate self title. I appreciate Lemonade. Unfortunately, neither self title nor Lemonade have this kind of track list that is the disc two side of I Am Sasha Fierce. <laughs> they just don't by design. It's not. It's not like it's not sustainable. She's failing at something, but it's not sustainable. <laughs> I would say I am Sasha, like in terms of what you're saying, like setting herself apart. I do think Four did that in some ways, but in some ways, I am Sasha Fears was so jam packed that I do think maybe that was the big putting her foot down. I think that put her foot down is like I am the 
one of the biggest pop stars, but yes. four was like the intro to her auteur era. I see. You're right. But favorite song? That is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like literally. I do love like a, a silly one I think is Ring the Alarm. Come on, Ring the Alarm. Like I've been Ring doing the Alarm this too is long. A, Good one. I love Ring the Alarm. Anytime an alarm is going off, you know my ass is singing Ring the Alarm over yeah. it. <laughs> I love Ring the Alarm. I love when she kind of yells. I love starting a song. This is irreplaceable. Starting a song with to the left, to the left. <laughs> Everything you own in a box to the left. I love self-titled, honestly. I kind of like it more than Lemonade. <laughs> I I agree. I really loved the Lemonade visual album. But I don't Same. listen to the album very often. And don't attack there me, There are please. songs that I love on that album, but it's I, I more often listen to self-titled all the way through. In terms of self-titled, I love XO. Mm-hmm. This is really hard. I mean, listen, Partition, Partition and Drunken, I mean, ugh, whatever. I, I feel like there are no, like, niche Beyonce songs. I will say I think Drunken Love I have the most emotional yeah. connection to. I feel like yeah. it came out at, like, such a pivotal time. Like, that was, like, I'm in New York, I'm 25, and, like, that was, like, truly me and Bowen going to, like, Hell's Kitchen and being, like, play drunk and love, play drunk and love, and oh it was, like, God. such a stupid time. I, I really dream of it. Yeah. Also, I love, um, what's it called? Ketchup on it? <laughs> what's oh, it called? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna let you work up on it, I'm gonna let you work on it, that's it. Oh, but you're looking, looking like what you see. Also... The big Destiny's Child songs hold up, like, immensely. Yes. I actually was recently listening to uh, the writings on the wall, and it is jam-packed. Also, it has such fun, nonsensical lyrics. Like, I appreciate that she's now trying to be more serious, and of course she's 40 years old, like, it makes sense. But the nonsensical, my automobiles... Genius. Like, it is iconic playful fun especially because they're 17 singing can you pay my bills (laughs) (laughs) also independent women great song i mean formative talk about not coming out of the closet but coming out of the closet like i asked for that soundtrack for my birthday when i was whatever age 12 Mm -hmm. like girl you gay like (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, I also, I love when silly Beyonce, even like, like one plus one, for instance, I don't know much, I don't about, know much algebra. about algebra, but I know one plus one equals two. And then the like insanely dramatic video for it. So funny. Also, Ugh. I love, um, I mean, I love countdown. So good. And I love love on top. Ugh. I love love on top. Can we say like. This is maybe too much for this particular Ernest's Bonanza, but I am going to okay. ask because I don't think we're ever going to narrow it down. Yeah. What do you think of the new song? Uh, I think it's fine. Yeah. I don't think it's great, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy listening to it constantly. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, listen, it makes me uh, it, it makes me like bored when people th- think too much about Beyonce and like who and what she means for the for for music and whatever I'm kind of like let her you know like I'm excited for the album I'll listen to it and uh she's one of the best performers we've ever produced in this flop of a nation <laughs> and uh that's all I do think 
overall, I would like for things to sound less like they are products of market research. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. I'm excited for the album still. And I'm curious as to how it is done. I completely agree. And I'm excited for her to just like get back in. Like, you know, when she's like in promo mode, maybe she'll like perform at an award show. Maybe she'll, you know, release some fun music video. I also I always love when a pop star that has done like a few serious things in a row decides this is her fun era. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's very like Madonna confessions on a dance floor. It's uh, it's it's always nice. Yeah, it has some real potential for for nationwide joy. Yeah, and I love when Beyonce gets in touch with her comedic side. <laughs> Do you think she's gonna ground herself a little more? Do you think she'll host SNL? I think she might host SNL. Wow. Don't you think she could? I think she could. I mean, I certainly think she will, like, be planning it months in advance and have a whole team. Yeah. Uh, You know, but that's, you know, if Kim Kardashian did that, why can't Beyonce? And she should. I mean, that would be so funny. I mean, just, like, interesting. People think she doesn't have a sense of humor, but I think she does. Oh, I think she does. Every time she's tried to do something comedic, she's actually pulled it off. Gold member? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Need I say more? You know what's crazy is seeing old perform. Of course, she's always been great, but old performances before she had her full, full confidence, like when she was very young. I recently watched this performance of her doing New York, New York for this ceremony honoring Robert De Niro. And it's like her in a little cap <laughs> doing New York, New York in a kind of like Broadway musical way. And you can tell she's nervous. She's like, oh, my God, it's Robert De Niro. Wow. I love that. So funny to witness. Yeah. I actually think of all of the songs that she has been a part of. I'm going to be basic. I'm going to I am going to answer the question now. Is it Crazy in Love? No, it's Say My Name. Damn. I actually think Say My Name is such a fucking hit and like such a classic. Yeah. It's one that always always I mean Crazy in Love a lot of them, but Say My Name is like it really does it for me. Yeah. If we're allowed to incorporate yeah. Destiny's Child. No, that's and <laughs> This is the most basic possible answer, but there's something about Halo where you're like, (laughs) and where you're truly like, and there it is. There's something about Halo. I think you're completely correct. It's kind of in a very different way, but in the same way that we found love will never get old. Mm -hmm. Halo will never, I'll never be like, ugh, not now. Yeah. Wow. Halo is a, it's a damn icon. Yeah. Well, Well. Check out this indie artist, Beyonce. She's really up her. and coming. She's really doing great And I stuff. think you, if you love this indie podcast, you're going to love the indie artist, Beyonce. <laughs> well. Is that the end? I think that's the end. Wow. Well, do we have any final, how do we, how do we wrap up? You know, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm excited for our summer break in some sense, but I'm also going to miss doing this. I know. Me too. It's. It's going to be a nice little refresh. I know. My, my, I just, uh, my biggest fear is that, that I'm running out of things to say. So I think I'll, this is a, this is going to be my consumption era over the summer so that I can come back and have all these opinions. <laughs> yeah. We're going to live full lives in like two months. Yeah. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to have all these new, fresh opinions. Yeah. Um, well, you know, yeah. It bears repeating. Would not want to do this with anybody else. Yeah, I think it does bear repeating. I love being your comedy partner in this endeavor. Before we found one another, it's like you would watch other people that work together and you'd be like, how do people do it? Like, how do you find someone who's like complimentary, but 
similar enough and, you know, are able to uh, kind of work towards the same goal, but from slightly different perspectives. And, you know, you think it might not happen and then it does. Yeah. It honestly is. We're very lucky. We're very lucky. I mean, we didn't. It's we didn't market test it. it we just no, tried we didn't it. Market test it at all. <laughs> In fact, like anytime there's even like a slight disagreement or something, it just like the rarity of it then reminds me even more how crazy it is that overall there's barely any conflict. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. It is a pretty smooth, pretty smooth ride. Vroom vroom. And honey, we're only going up from here. <laughs> Check us out on the flop medium that is television. Of, uh, I don't know. Um, yes, our show is premiering tomorrow. <laughs> on HBO Normal. On HBO Peacock. <laughs> we did it. Yeah, I guess like happy summer and happy we'll summer, miss everyone. you. Happy forgetful girl summer. Yeah, please forget all your appointments. Try to forget. Have, have bad cell service and miss the meeting. Miss your train. Do a sliding doors moment. Yeah. I would say try to orchestrate sliding doors moments. Like try to get to trains right when the doors are closing and see <laughs> what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Market test a sliding doors moment for yourself. I recently tried to rewatch the actual film sliding doors. It's really bad. Hmm, that's too bad. Isn't that sad? It's like we'll always have a concept. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's life. All right. See you guys at the live show, hopefully. See you guys at the bell house. And bye. Bye.